Good day, everyone. You have tuned into Musical Theater Radio's Be Our Guest. Uh, this is where we invite a guest or guests on, and they tell us a little bit about themselves and their wonderful love of musical theater. Today, we, have, we are going across the pond today once again um, to speak with our guest. Today's guest is Ray. Hello, Ray. Hello there. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, no. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, give us your 30-second bio to get the show going. Oh, crikey. 30 seconds. Okay. Um, so I'm a writer, director based in London. I'm the artistic director of London Theatre Workshop. Um, my most recent show uh, in the West End was Judy, um, a biopic of Judy Garland, not to be confused with the movie that's coming out this year. Um, and I've opened London's Answer to Marie's Crisis Cafe, the renowned musical theatre sing-along bar in New York. Um, I've opened a version of that called Overtures in London's Marble Arch. That's great. That's almost your entire life now. We know about you. <laughs> Pretty much. Nothing else to say. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the conclusion from today's episode. But... <laughs> Well, Ray, let's let's actually delve into um, more about yourself, and uh, let's go take it back to the beginning. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about overtures and, and and the shows you've written, but let's go back to the the impetus of musical theater for you. What got you into it in the first place? Oh well, musical theater has been part of my life um, ever really since I can remember. My my grandmother was in London. Um, she was a tiller girl which I kind of think is like the British equivalent to can-can dancers okay. uh, just, uh, just after the Second World War. And um, my great-grandparents were vaudevillians. They were musical um, theatre stars um, in their own right. And so I've kind of always grown up with very much like the American songbook as part of my childhood. Um, and then... Rather bizarrely, our parents took my sister and I to see a production of Follies when we were very young. <laughs> and, and I think it, it made us love musical theatre. It also gave us a really skewed idea of what relationships were. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's pretty much since as long as I can remember, I've been singing show tunes. That's fantastic. Um, you know what? We're going we're gonna to jump to a song real quick. We're going to play. How about we play something from Follies? Oh, let's do. A anything particular from Follies you'd like to hear? I, I mean, I know it's, uh, it's quite early on in the show, but Losing <laughs> My Mind is always the, the song I go to. That is a fantastic choice. So, ladies and gentlemen and human beings listening here to be our guest on Musical Theatre Radio, let's listen to a song. Uh, from Follies, Losing Our Mind, and then we're going to come back and we're talk a little bit more with Ray here on Musical Theatre Radio. We are back on Be Our Guest. We are talking with Ray over in the UK today. And thank you. Wow, that was too many rhymes. <laughs> but thank you for coming <laughs> in, for joining us today. <laughs> so we, we learned a little bit about how you got into musical theatre in, in yeah. the last segment. Um, what are some of the influences uh, for you as a, as a performer and a writer? Because we know we're going to talk about a little bit later about some of the shows you've written. But is, is there any shows or people that influence you? Oh, um, I mean, there are so many. And again, it's this kind of 
I've lived my life between um, uh, the USA and, and the UK, and I have this kind of mid-Atlantic drawl <laughs> to how I speak, but also to, to kind of who I am and, 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 and how I live my life. I mean, obviously, you, you can't live in London and not at least give a nod to Noel Coward. Mm. Um, as a lyricist as well, myself, I find his lyrics are hilariously astute. Um, and, and then obviously, if I'm going with Noel Coward, I'm going to also think about Cole Porter. You know, Stephen Sondheim is a huge influence on everything I've ever done in my life. Um, both personal and professional. Yeah. I live my life in a slightly aloof state of self-existence. But, um, <laughs> but uh, so I, I would say kind of the influences for me are the Gershwins, Noel Coward, Cole Porter, Stephen Sondheim, Rodgers and Hammerstein, um, even Rodgers and Hart. Um, there are so many in, in that kind of classic, beautiful age of the musical theatre. I think lyrically, it had never been stronger. We've got a kind of renaissance of that now with Lin-Manuel and Hamilton and that kind of vocal dexterity that, that a good musical theatre song could have. But they're absolutely my influences. I think until Lin-Manuel came along, the, the most recent would have been Stephen Sondheim in 1970. <laughs> that, that's a big jump. The <laughs> 70s to now. <laughs> yeah. But but I I totally agree with all of those. Those are some incredible writers and um, lyricists. And I don't think um, Noel Coward gets the the attention that he deserves. Um, Absolutely. Whenever whenever I'm on a cruise ship, I, I often do some work and I I, I spend some time looking at um, kind of shows on ships and and giving some thoughts and feedback. The minute I step onto the ship, I am singing from beginning to end, why do the wrong people travel? Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, clack around like flocks of geese demanding dry martinis on the Isle of Greece. I just <laughs> think it's just so funny. Yes. Um, and yeah, Noel Coward doesn't get the, the kind of notices he, he truly deserves now. But also again, Cole Porter, just yes. an incredible lyricist, funny, intelligent, witty. Um, you go to the theatre, I think, for so many reasons, but part of that absolutely is to be entertained. And if you keep your brains, you know, with you, you don't check them in with your coats, mm -hmm. um, you can get so much from a lyric. Oh, it's so true. Um, and I'll be honest, um, I think lyricists don't get as much um, praise as they deserve um as a lyricist i completely agree because <laughs> so yeah i look at myself as, as a book writer lyricist and then uh composer very last um but yeah it's and book writers definitely don't get as much attention or maybe they get too much blame when things go wrong but we won't go into that <laughs> right now um but yeah when you when you go to, when you people talk about uh, uh, songs it, the first thing is the music right but yeah because I think a, ly a lyric for me makes or breaks the song. Yes, I agree. I agree. I think there's also just this wonderful marriage between music and lyric that you get in the musical theatre that you don't always get with popular song. Very um, true. You know, if, you, if, you, if you look at a lyric from a popular song written out and compare it to a lyric from a musical, what you have with a musical, I think Elaine Stritch used to say, you have a three-act play. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas with a, a pop song, you don't always get that. The same word could re be repeated kind of half a dozen times 
just to make up a refrain in a chorus. Mm -hmm. Don't usually get that in a musical because you have to tell the story. The story has to progress and move on. It's very true. And, and it's, it's something that's irked me a little bit as, as we've moved forward in, in musical theater with this Renaissance and, and, pop people are coming to it which is fantastic they're bringing uh, life to the musical yes. theater but the, those pure lyrics the 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 real you know rhymes uh, sometimes just they bother me a little bit when, when, when... Uh, yeah absolutely I've, I've recently returned from from new york and i saw i saw quite a few really good things but i i, I find that where a piece is attached to someone who is a lyricist first and foremost mm -hmm. um, and has worked in the theatre, you get so much more from that song. Um, the exception that I have actually, my recent trip to New York, um, I attended um, Pretty Woman mm. and there's a song, something about that really grabbed my heart and I wasn't expecting it to do so in such a strong way. And again, it's because it had a strong lyric. That particular song in that show um, told me something about where the character was at that point in time and I related to it and I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's great to hear. Now, Brian Adams wrote, did he write both music and lyrics for that or? Uh, yeah, it was a combination. I think it was, it was usual, the usual writing team for the pop songs actually, Brian Adams and someone else. I okay. The name escapes me. It's okay. a really good actually, there's a program note with um, uh, the director saying that they came and they, you know, they, they, get, they showcased two songs before they decided whether or not they were going to go with this songwriting team. Mm -hmm. And it was Jerry Mitchell. And he says, um, you know, when they'd finished showcasing these songs, he said, okay, guys, you need to leave now because we've got to talk about you. <laughs> and as they closed the door, he kind of, his whole six foot three uh, frame kind of blocked the door. And he said to the other guys in the room, okay, we'd be crazy if we don't hire these guys. And I kind of agreed. I really enjoyed the show. Nice. Now, do you get do you get over to the U.S. a lot, and and the the you know do you spend uh, equal amount of time, or is it is just more visits and, and that sort of thing? Kind of half and half of, of late. I've spent a huge amount of time in New York. The year before um, was in Washington, um, and yeah, it's the it's the Broadway theater scene. Mm -hmm. um, got a couple of kind of secret little gigs that I'm working on. <laughs> Um, mainly, I go when Cheetah Rivera is at fifty-four below. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm in town for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I've spent my life um, traveling between the two because of the theatre scene. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Uh, have you ever come up uh, my way? I'm in here in Toronto, in in Canada. I do you know what? I haven't, but I have some crazy friends who are who who live there who keep saying to me, "You must come, you must come." And so in September of this year, yeah, um, I'm having my first trip to Toronto. I actually, from from a Canadian perspective, I spent last summer in Vancouver nice. with the Theatre Under the Stars um, in I think Stanley Park is called, yep. and. I saw West Side Story, I think, seven times in a row. <laughs> I was wow. that in love with this particular production. Um, and I kind of bookended it with a, a production of Beauty and the Beast either side. <laughs> but West Side had my heart. Oh, Vancouver in the summer? Oh, that's... Joyous. Oh, wow. That's, it is beautiful out there in general, yeah. but in the summer. Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, if you're coming into Toronto in this September, make sure you say, you let us know when. I want to pop in for coffee. Yeah, definitely. I would love to say hello with live because 
people that I'm speaking to in the, in the UK, I'm like, okay, when am I going to get a chance to, I'll, I'd love to get over there, etc. But hey, if you come visit, definitely say hi. And uh, I should look you up for sure. So, um, so what's the difference? Do you notice a difference between the scene of the UK and the U S since we're talking about your traveling back and forth? Yeah. What are the, what are the, the similarities and the differences between the, the two, uh, Cultures of music I, Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I think in the US, uh, particularly on, on Broadway, um, there are more risks being taken with original musicals or, or the development of original musicals. Whereas I think in the West End, the greater risks are taken with the plays, um, the straight plays that we have. So, you know, for example, um, last year, all discussions was about the inheritance um, which was an incredible, um, a powerful and affecting piece of straight theatre. Um, what, what we see, I think, on Broadway is, and I know a lot of us like to moan about the jukebox musicals and the fact that Broadway isn't original or as inventive mm. as it used to be. Mm. Um, but there are so many more um, original pieces of musical theatre that are being tried on the kind of large commercial Broadway stage, more so than than in the West End. The West End tends to have a lot of revivals, um, a fantastic revival of company um, with Paddy Lapone and Rosalie yes. Craig playing a female Bobby um, was in the West End recently. We've only just closed the National Theatre production of Follies. You know, these are big, large, incredibly wonderful revivals. But in, on Broadway, every time I visit New York, I see a new musical. Um, I saw Tootsie. Um, a little while oh, ago, yeah. about two, two, three weeks ago, mm -hmm. absolutely fell in love with it. It's the book is so strong, hilariously um, funny book, fantastic performances, a hummable score. Um, that wouldn't really, I think, have ever started on the West End stage. Really? Is there is there a particular reason why uh, this or is I, I think I think it's historic. I think the West End stage has always been there for straight drama. We also used to have a Lord Chamberlain who would um, censor and uh, and approve theatre as and when it was put on in the West End. That was until only really about fifty odd years ago. You you weren't allowed to put a play on unless it had the Lord Chamberlain's approval. Um, and then, so if we go back, say, to the 50s, all of the musicals were Broadway imports. So we had the mm -hmm. original company of Carousel or the original, you know, many original members of the company of Guys and Dolls or whatever it was uh, on the town. They would be imported to London, usually at the theatre, the Coliseum. Um, and whereas, and I think that's kind of set a bit of a trend. Every now and then we bucket. Um, there's a there's a brilliant new musical everybody's talking about, um, which I think is heading to Broadway um, at some point, which is an original West End show. And obviously in the 80s, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber was uh, pretty prolific in, oh, yes. in, in putting stuff out. And then it, and then the British invasion of Broadway. Mm -hmm. But they they kind of bucked the trends in the main. I think we are we are stronger on plays. Hmm. It's interesting. I think the other thing that's interesting between Broadway and the West End is the audience itself. Um, you know, as a, as a Londoner, I go to a Broadway show and every time a feature performer steps onto the stage, they're given a round of applause. 
in many cases they're giving a standing ovation before they've uttered a word. Um, that would never happen in London. We reserve our applause really until the bitter end. And even then sometimes we don't bother applauding. So, <laughs> so I, think, I think the audience, I, I love a Broadway, a Broadway show with an audience in the right mindset. Yeah. Nothing can ever beat that. Um, Hello Dolly with Bette Midler. Um, the minute she pulled her paper down on that trolley cart and the audience went wild, I was completely sold and I had two hours of bliss. Um, and by the time she was descending the staircase for the title number, uh, I mean, everyone around me was in bits and I looked like... <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think it's a great segment, segue. Why don't we uh, throw something to Hello Dolly? Let's go to a song. Oh, let's have a little bit of Hello Dolly. Anyway, it would make my day. What number would you like to hear here from Hello Dolly? I would love to hear my favorite Hello Dolly song before the parade passes by. Perfect. So let us do that. So you have been tuned in to uh, Be Our Guest. You're on Musical Theater Radio. We are speaking with Ray. We're going to listen to um, Before the Parade Passes By uh, from Hello Dolly here on Musical Theater Radio. This is Be Our Guest. I am your host, Jean-Paul Jovanoff, for today's segment. We are speaking with um, Ray over in the UK. Ray, thank you very much for coming on and, and speaking with us today. I'm having a bull. Great. So you, you, we, met, we talked a little bit earlier about lyricists and book writers, and now sometimes they don't get the, um, the attention they deserve. Now, you've written some shows. Tell us about the first show you wrote and, and subsequent uh, Yeah. Um, I mean, I started, I, my career has always been, you do something, you either realize you're not very good at it, or you get bored and you move on to something else. Mm. So I started as an actor, and that was where I realized... I wasn't very good at it, so I went into <laughs> directing, uh, which is, I always think is the natural consequence for actors who aren't very yes. good. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I had a marvellous time directing um, primarily musicals. I had a season um, at the Pleasance Theatre in London where I directed three Sondheim musicals, um, Company, Follies and Assassins. Um, and... Just had an absolute blast doing that. I worked on some Tennessee Williams, some early treatments of his plays, and really got, this is about 10 years ago now, really got into the kind of world of being that kind of rather large scarf wearing, um, you know, chewing on the end of your pencil director, <laughs> and, um, and got a little bit bored. Um, I was artistic, I was appointed artistic director of London Theatre Workshop, our opening season was a combination of different things. We, we did Adam Gwan's Ordinary Days, um, which is a show that's so dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. We did some more Tennessee Williams, some Eugene O'Neill, um, a Sondheim review, just another love story. And we finished the season with uh, Harvey Firestein's and John Bacchino's A Catered Affair, which I think is um, a beautiful chamber musical um, that's, that's very often overlooked, has some wonderful songs. But during that whole time, I was having a ball. I was enjoying myself, but starting to get itchy feet. And, um, and I'd written a play that was really only for my own enjoyment. Um, gave it to a musical director friend of mine and said, hey, read this. Tell me if you think it's any good. Mm -hmm. 
and he said, Ray, you've written a musical. You just, <laughs> you're just not aware of it. Um, and so I, I set my hand to try to lyricize some of the scenes within this play. Um, and then this musical director friend put it to music, a guy called Tom Lees. And we found over the course of the summer of 2014 that it, it, in fact, we'd written a rather beautiful two-act musical by mistake more than anything else. <laughs> um, and that, that musical was called Apartment 40C. Um, we put it into the next season at the London Theatre Workshop, really just to try it out and see see if it was any good. Mm -hmm. um, it got some really lovely notices and we were invited to take that to um, the other palace, um, a, a new theatre in London that I think at the time was backed by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Hmm. And we, we, put, we put the show, it might have just been before Lloyd Webber, probably before Lloyd Webber got involved. I think if Lloyd Webber was involved, we'd never have crossed the threshold. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but we um, we put it on and it was lovely experience for me. Um, I then started to work on lots of other kind of concept shows, um, looking at kind of recording some conceptual music to see where my interest was going to go next, working with other composers. And then for some bizarre reason, I decided that what I wanted to do more than anything in the world was write yet another play about Judy Garland. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, I set my hand to that in, I think, the summer of 2015. Um, and I wanted to do something different. So my play was going to focus on three pivotal moments in her life. Um, and those pivotal moments were just before The Wizard of Oz. Um, and then in 1951, in her first comeback concert at the Palace Theatre, produced by her third husband, Sidney Luff. And then again in 1963, when she was filming the Judy Garland show. I didn't want to focus on the last weeks of her life or the kind of trial and destruction of a great star. I wanted to focus on this incredibly strong woman um, who has entertained millions, you know, year, decades after she's passed away. Um, the problem was I was looking for a 13-year-old that could then play a 41-year-old, which was, which was going to be difficult. Um, and so then, kind of this meta moment where it happened, where I thought, well, actually, let's have three individual actresses playing Judy at these pivotal moments, but let's have them on the stage at the whole time so they interact with each other, the stories overlap. We, we start to see the similarities in her life and how some of the problems were recurring themes and we could explore why they were there. And we could also just joyously love Judy at these three best moments of her life. Um, so that show, again, went into the London Theatre Workshop model. We workshopped it, we put on a workshop production. It was picked up by London Southwark Playhouse Theatre. We did a season the following year. Eventually, we got into the West End. We went to the Arts Theatre and uh, we did a season there. And then last year, we did it at the site that Judy played her last concerts, the Talk of the Town in London. Wow. Um, and it was a really special moment for me because we had the same company of actors <laughs> who'd worked in the 50-seat studio 
that had then gone with this show and its journey for four years and ultimately paid, I think, the best tribute we could to Judy, which was reclaim the talk of the town with a joyous show about her life. That's fantastic. That's so great to hear. Congratulations on that. Thank you. It is probably one of the most proudest moments I've had. Um, and I love the company. They're like family to me. They're, they're just a beautiful bunch of actors. And one day we might all get together again. Nice. So, so what, what, made, what was the impetus to, uh, to write about Judy? Um, I think, really, I'd seen and read and watched a lot about Judy over the years. Um, really, my introduction to Judy was through the songs. My grandmother in, particularly, uh, in particular would play Judy songs on our old record player, you know, every Sunday afternoon. But I'd seen a lot about her and I always felt slightly unfulfilled because Judy was so loved. Frank Sinatra said, the rest of us will be forgotten, never Judy. And I think that's kind of true. And the fact that she was so loved, I didn't want everything to just focus on the, the last couple of weeks or, you know, when Judy was at her worst because mm-hmm. her children don't feel that way about her. You know, Liza and Lorna both, and Joey both, they all say, you know, what we remember is the laughter mm-hmm. and the fun and the fact that Judy made everything a game, even if she didn't have any money and they'd have to kind of hightail it out of a hotel in the middle of the night. It was a game to them. She was full of life and joy. And that's, I think the main reason I wanted to do this is that I wanted to tell Judy's story on her terms um, and not just wallow in person as well. Yes, she, she was more than just those final moments. There was absolutely life, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you said you used three different actors, uh, actresses at yes. three different points. Now, were you, did you, I haven't seen the Share show. Do they do the same thing? Yes, and I, I, you I did, did it first. first. Nice, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Cher Show gives you the recognition you deserve. <laughs> I've written to Cher, I haven't nice. had a response yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a theatrical. I mean, everything that I've done has always been obsessed with the kind of rule of three. As, yeah. a, as, a, as a book writer, you, you know, if you're going to write a joke, you always kind of try to adhere to the rule of three for sure, but um. But in my, in my first musical, Apartment 40C, um, it was three couples inhabiting the same um, apartment, completely unaware that the other two realized that actually it's the same couple, but just 30 years separate them. So I've always been obsessed with, with the trios. Um, and Judy was, I think, the, the, the clearest moment I'd had as a dramatist where we had three actresses playing the same character, years separating her, but, um, but she's on stage, you know, all, almost entirely at the same time. Very cool. So let's, let's, take, let's go back to your first show. Um, now, was that the first time you've ever written uh, lyrics and book for something? Um, yes. Uh, I'd, I'd written countless plays. I'd um, translated a lot like really as kind of exercises for myself i translated movies into play scripts um i'd written short scenes some of them when i was studying were kind of at, at university they were performed but it was never really anything i was too interested in doing okay and when being your first time did you find that it was 
easy or did you find there was it was hard well it sounds terribly arrogant but the minute i put my mind to writing a scene you know a, a, an already drafted scene and turning it into a lyric i found it um freeing liberating and and actually kind of joyously straightforward um I mean, if you, my, the book writers I like, um, James Goldman, for example, mm -hmm. book writer of Follies, he has a poetic rhythm to the way in which his spoken dialogue is, is, uh, is delivered um, and, and written. And I think I'd kind of tried to emulate that in my dialogue. And so then when I started to turn it into a lyric, I found that I wasn't having to lose as much as I thought I would. Um, the lyrics that the um what i then had to do was go back to my spoken dialogue and make sure that it wasn't as flouncy yes. <laughs> as maybe it had have been um but yeah i mean I, I i took i think i took to writing lyrics like a duck to water whether or not they're good is a different thing but um <laughs> but i found them really really interesting and enjoyable then when you moved on to Judy, did you find that it, this process continued or did you find that it was a lot harder? Because I know when you do something for the first time, you have that, that energy, that passion, that drive, yeah. that, that innocence of not knowing any better. And then you yeah. got to Judy, which, you know, is, is that was your second one, I believe? Or... Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd worked on some conceptual stuff in between, okay. which gave me a, gave me a chance to really hone in as both a book like writer and a, and a lyricist. I think the, the, the difficulty with Judy, trying to figure out how the trolley song could work in the context of a show that, you know, at least one of the Judys were not aware of the trolley song at the time because it hadn't been written before The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, so it was, that, that's what I found the biggest challenge was looking at Judy's songbook and discovering where those songs could fit in what was you know although deeply researched an original piece of theater um a classic example of that in the first workshop production i didn't think i had a um a moment for the man that got away so this incredible song was kept out of the show because i couldn't find a place for it mm -hmm. halfway through the run we then used to um have our judy sing it as an encore because people missed that missed not listening to that song in the context of a judy garland biopic mm -hmm. by the time we got to our second run at southwark playhouse i'm sitting there looking over the script trying to find ways to cut 10 minutes like most book writers have yeah. to and um and there was there's a scene in 1963 where Judy and her third husband, Sidney Luft, finally decides to separate um, after what has been a tumultuous marriage. And I'm sitting there reading this piece of book and thinking, this is the man that got away. <laughs> I've written the song as a piece of dialogue. So the dialogue went out and the song came in. Perfect. That it's, sometimes it just takes that that second look and and yes and, and no and it's right there in front of you you just don't see it right you don't see it yep absolutely great someone there's that old adage that you know great shows aren't written they're rewritten yes um, i've taken that on but i constantly rewrite even you know apartment 40c hasn't been seen in london for two three years i'm still rewriting it now 
just mm-hmm. in case someone picks it up and I want yeah. it to be the best it can be. <laughs> Did you ever do a cast recording of that? We have got some wonderful rec- uh, recordings of kind of, um, I think it was just to piano, but the, the original company was so wonderful. They said, look, we want a, a record of something that we've done with you in the workshop. So we've got some beautiful recordings of that. Nice. Well, you know what? You should send a few of them my way. I can throw them on the air. I will indeed. I was hoping you'd ask. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, th- and then somebody hears it, and then they want to pick it up, and then you have to do more rewriting if you have to. <laughs> but I guess if you have to do it for that reason. Yeah, in the bad. words of B. Arthur, if I have to, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, well, you know what? Why don't we... Uh, if you have those and you send them to me, why don't we uh, cut to a song from that show? Let's play one now. Sure. I have no idea what it is because I've never listened to any of these songs, but <laughs> when you it might regret me. this. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I'm about to play something. <laughs> from... You are about to play something. Very, very small backstory to this. Um, <laughs> it's um, that one of the characters has left her husband and, She's wandering around New York City and she stumbles upon a small pocket park in the middle of the city and sits down and is reminded that she's been there before. Um, And it it gives her the power to go. Um, This song was written and kind of, um, again, in a meta moment where I wanted something powerful to, to give this, uh, this character the, the kind of strength to move back and, and go to her husband and say, we've got to sort our lives out. But I also wanted a, a nod to George Firth, um, who wrote the book for Company. And there's this beautiful scene in Company between Kathy and Robert in the pocket park. And she says, imagine being in a tiny, quiet pocket of a park right here in the middle of the busy, noisy East 50s. So this song was in the show beautifully sung by Lizzie Wofford and is a a little my little thank you to George Firth for introducing me to this wonderful world of uh, book writing and it's called Pocket Park. Wonderful perfect so uh, everyone who's listening this is the musical theater radio premiere of Pocket Park has it been played over here before do you think on a radio station can I say North American premiere it is the North American premiere even better. <laughs> All right. This is the North American premiere of Pocket Park from Apartment 40C here on Be Our Guest. My name is Jean-Paul Yovanoff, and you are tuned in once again to Be Our Guest. We are speaking with Ray over in England right now. Thank you, Ray, so much for coming on and talking to us about your shows and, and a little bit about your life. Oh, no, thank you. So I... I Let's talk about the thing that actually I got contacted about first. I can't remember if, if yes. who contacted me about it and, and suggested, you know, you'd be a good person to talk to. Um, but let's talk about overtures. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit what it is, uh, why it is, and um, everything about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, overtures is the next pro- uh, project that I've been working on. Um, and I think you, you – I think I mentioned before, I do get itchy feet and I like to constantly be doing new things and trying new things out. And uh, 
And so having spent a lot of time in New York um, and spending a lot of time in Greenwich Village at Marie's Crisis Cafe, this um, incredible kind of haven of musical theater mavens singing show tunes until the early hours of the morning. Um, I thought, why don't we try and open a version of this in London? Um, and that was about six months ago. Um, and my birthday was coming up. So I thought, well, let's, let's do it as a birthday treat for me. Let's find a pub or a bar um, and, you know, chuck a piano in and get someone from Marie's Crisis over to, um, to play and see if the people of London enjoy singing along. Nobody is the star. It's not like a showcase night for anyone. You go in, there's a hundred people crowded around a piano mm -hmm. and every one of those a hundred people are singing the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, so we did it. Um, I spoke to my, my team at um, Ray Rackham Theatrical and said, look, we're going to not produce um, theatre for a while. We're going to open a bar. They all thought I was crazy. And, um, and yeah, and it went very, it was a, it was a big success. Um, we had kind of queues around the block. This one or two night gig turned into a week long thing. And, um, and then I decided, right, I've had fun. Everyone else has had, seemed to have fun at the same time. Let's open permanently. So about four months ago, we opened our doors Overture's piano bar in, in Marble Arch. And, uh, and PM until about 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. You've got a pianist. You've got the whole musical theater songbook. And whoever's in that bar is encouraged and, and also entitled to sing any song they choose from the musical theater. And if people know it, they're going to join in. Wow. That's, that's such a cool concept. I know we had something like that here in Toronto. It was pop music. Uh, well, yeah, the piano player, yeah. you just shouted at them and uh, they'd know it. <laughs> so they played. Yeah. Now, how, how, um, how does the songs chosen? Like you said, they could just throw out anything in the musical theater canon, but there's a lot of stuff out there. We're talking like, yeah. like a hundred plus years of, of music. And sometimes we have the most random songs that two or three people might <laughs> yeah. know. Um, but most of the time it's, you know, it is, there is a whole community of theater people who have grown up listening to the musical theater songs of the last say 60 years mm -hmm. um and i was worried when we opened that a very reserved british kind of community yeah wouldn't wouldn't have that gay abandon that we have in new york where mm -hmm. you you know you sing out louise and you sing out proudly um i was proved wrong within about 20 minutes of opening the doors um <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people who want this place to exist. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I say this with the greatest amount of love. Overtures is very much an island for misfit toys. <laughs> people to find their home and their tribe and their place in the world. And we just so happen to do that while we're singing nowadays from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> So, so who is your piano player? Because this person must be just incredible to be able to uh, play almost anything. Yeah. So early, picture it, January, early January, <laughs> we were um, in the basement of Overture's Piano Bar auditioning for piano players with personality, with a joy for life, with a sense of fun, 
it was like a it was like a Mickey Rooney Judy Garland movie. You know, we were building the place while we were auditioning the pianists um, and the hosts because we have people that can serve drinks, but also knock out I'm still here, for example. So, um, and it really you know, wait, there's, wait, there's actors who are waitresses and waiters? Yeah. What? Yeah, absolutely. So they you know they are they'll they'll welcome you in, they'll take your coat and then they'll sing you a song. Each pianist has their own following. Um, so there are people that go, you know, come down to overtures because of particular piano players behind the keys that night. Mm-hmm. They all they all have their own style, um, be it an obsession with the Disney songbook or you know Broadway pre nineteen sixty four, which is always a favourite of mine. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, so so and then yeah, we I think we've assembled an overtures family. Um, wow. I often. I, I always get told off for quoting this, but it, it's very it's very important to me. Um, one of my biggest inspirations was Jim Henson, who created the Muppets. Yes. Um, and in the Muppet movie, Kermit the Frog says, I have a dream. It's about singing and dancing and making people happy. It's the kind of dream that gets better the more people you share it with. I found a whole bunch of friends who share my dream, and it kind of makes us like a family. And for me, that quote... Is that that absolutely describes what we've created with Overture's Piano Bar? Uh, now, is is the atmosphere different every night? Is there a different vibe that that happens, or is it is it the regulars that come in and um, push the the music in a certain direction? Or sometimes you'll have one night where it's all of a sudden, yeah, why yeah. everybody wants Noel Coward for some reason that night? Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's varied. We do have you know, a whole bunch of regulars. Um, the bar has very quickly morphed into the musical theatre version of Cheers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, and, uh, and so the regulars, I think, help the pianist read the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they'll make some suggestions. Um, but it, it absolutely depends on the crowd you have in. You know, there are, there are some nights where we really do delve into kind of Jerry Herman and Stephen Sondheim and, um, and Rogers and Hammerstein. There are other nights where we spend a lot of time in the more contemporary Pasek and Paul um, world. Um, in, invariably, what happens is the later it gets, <laughs> um, the more obvious some of the choices are you know yeah. the minute you hear do you hear the people sing <laughs> you know that in you know 20 minutes time you're going to be singing one day more <laughs> kind of what happens has, has the pianists ever come across songs where they go i don't know this one or anything like See, that it's never happened i'm really? waiting for the day for it to happen because surely they don't know yeah um, but we've been so fortunate. Our, the lifeblood of Overtures is that person who sits behind the keys, steers the ship, um, you know, importantly, stays sober while everyone yes. around them is having this <laughs> merry old time. Um, and, they, and we're just so lucky that these people um, are, are, in, are as in love with musical theatre as you and I. Mm-hmm. They... They adore it. And, that, and from that love comes this huge knowledge that I think also none of us really knew we had yeah. until we were in the spotlight thinking, what do we do next? Where do we take this room? Um, 
and it's a beautiful thing watching you know one say ed one of our pianists he you know he'll be go he'll be going through the sound of music and then think do you know what this just the segues and this and, and because our pianists are so clever because they're all musical directors and composers in their own right mm-hmm. um that the way in which they link the the, the different phrases and musical suites I, I honestly it's it's like a show within itself <laughs> So who decides? Like, because I remember in Toronto here, the 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 pop bar, people would just shout out um, songs, and and the I guess the pianist would just re- react to whichever. Is it the same way there? We absolutely invite um, kind of recommendations or requests, but the the thing that I've made really clear at overtures is there's only one person in charge. Even if I'm there sat by the piano with a pint of beer in hand, mm-hmm. I am a punter. The person in charge is the pianist. Okay. They take us on this musical theater journey. So when you're there, what do you like to have played? Man that got away. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if I'm honest, my, my tastes have always been towards kind of the, 50s 60s early 70s of broadway um and i find that you know again when i'm there i think the pianists do tend to indulge in that a little bit more <laughs> you know we, we might get the whole of the title number from hello dolly so i can do the arms yeah. um but but that yeah there it's um it's always a funny thing <laughs> i think sometimes i walk down the stairs into overture's piano bar and it might be you know, Mark, one of our pianists, looks up and then we'll play Hello, Dolly, just as a little <laughs> nod to the fact that the boss is in. <laughs> nice. That's funny. <laughs> is, now, what, what would you think would be the top five most popular songs that are, that are performed? Uh, um, that just get the crowd yeah. explode. So, um, Suddenly Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors. Really? It huh. goes off like a rocket. Huh. Everybody loves that. Um, Part of Your World um, from Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that allows us all to indulge in a beautiful kind of I want song. (laughs) Usually the third song in a show. (laughs) Um, um, So they're they're two. Um, The other other thing that always goes down well is Waving Through a Window, Dear Evan Hansen. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll Never Walk Alone. And and then I have to say, if I, it would have to be the sun will come out tomorrow. Really, which also says some really nice things about the world in which we find ourselves. Yeah. You know, the world is such a sad and nasty place in many times. Um, you know, and you read the newspapers, you watch the television, you listen to the radio, and there's so much pain and hurt in the world. I think. The, the 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 popular songs show that people also want an antidote to that mm-hmm. they want to be joyous and sing joyously and i think that's what overtures tends to provide it's a, like a little window into happiness for a few hours on a friday evening yeah wow what's the most obscure thing you've been asked the the piano players have been asked to go to play that you heard um, it was probably me asking for why did the wrong people travel. <laughs> we find we find a lot of times we get requests from the better known songs. Yeah. Um, and having kind of one person sing 
a reprise from Hamilton <laughs> isn't as enjoyable as no. having 50 people singing You'll Be Back. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the random, the random selections are usually songs that people tend to skip over when they're listening to the, <laughs> to the original cast recordings. <laughs> but you'll always find that there's one person in this world that's the most favorite and important song to them. Yeah. Because I was just thinking, what what would I want to hear, or, or like that sort of thing? Because when I was when I was uh, in college, I went to a musical theater school, and all the songs that I chose to sing were none anybody else sang. It was the weird, random stuff, like uh, stuff from the boys from Syracuse. Um, yeah, I love my wife uh, from the seventies. Um, yeah, the songs from the Celebration, uh, the, yeah. the Mitten Jones, like everybody goes, songs from Applause. Yeah, like, what are these shows that I'm finding? They're all singing like Miz and, and Avita yeah. and things like that. And I'm, yeah, I've, I'm always drawn to these obscure, weird little things. So, and we, I mean, we have some wonderful nights, you know, usually midweek where we can indulge ourselves with some of those songs. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's, nothing beats finding a whole bunch of people who also know this really random, obscure stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you, you develop your own community within half an hour of singing applause. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. Now, at, at Overtures, it, is it just, is it every, every night this, this group sing, this big thing, or do you sometimes do uh, like cabaret styles where, where one person's singing? Nope. Oh it's always about the community, always okay. about the power of a hundred voices. Very nice. That is, that would be so incredible to uh, be a part of and, and to see. Um, it's so much fun. It's given it's given me so much happiness, and I can see from the amount of people who say, you know, this is my first time here, and then we see them again the following week. It's mm -hmm. it's it's bringing some happy into the world. Is it hard to get into? Um, some nights, uh, weekends, you can you can find that you're queuing, but most nights, like Cheers, you can walk down the stairs and everybody knows your name. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. What, what's the capacity of the place? What, what can you hold? 120. Ah, uh, that's a, it's intimate enough, but it's still full. Yeah. I mean, a, when when you have 120 voices singing in unison, um, that that sometimes feels feels like we're going to raise the roof. Um, <laughs> but it's still very intimate you know it's um it's 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 a little kind of a little haven for people to come down and just tap their troubles away very cool that is such a very cool concept um, thank you for starting that everybody probably there thanks you for starting and creating that it's just been a joy really has that's great so you know let's throw to us a song uh, of those popular songs, what what would you like to uh, throw to right now? What would you like to hear? Um, I think of the popular songs, this weren't in the top five, but let's have all that jazz. Ah, great song. So, all right. So we are going to hear all that jazz from Chicago here on Be Our Guest. Thank you to Ray for suggesting it. Um, it's probably one of the most popular ones at Overtures, I'm guessing. People love yes. it. Of course. Who do, who can't love that song? <laughs> do they do the moves as well? While they're Absolutely. Sometimes <laughs> it's like a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now everybody can picture this car crash as they're listening to all <laughs> that jazz. 
here on Musical Theater Radio. You are listening to Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host for today, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. We are speaking with Ray, who's just told us about the incredible Overtures uh, Piano Bar in London. Uh, I can't wait to get over to the UK to, to attend. Wonderful. Absolutely. That'll be so much fun. And, and to see uh, you come down the stairs to Hello, Dolly. That's <laughs> oh, really that's all I need to see. That would be awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> So, so uh, again, thank you very much. Tell us, where is Overtures? Um, when is it open? How do you get in? And all that sort of thing. So, Overtures is at the Marble Arch, in, right in the heart of London's West End. It's on Old Quebec Street, which is just around the corner from Marble Arch Station. Um, we open from 6 till 2 a.m. Wednesday through Saturday. Perfect. So if you are in the UK right now listening and you don't know about it already, head down to Overtures as soon as you can. Well, as soon as it's Great. open. But then head down there and get down early so you can enjoy the full time of uh, being there and singing. And How many people lose their voice? Oh, well, my voice has never recovered. <laughs> I'm like a cross between Carol Channing and B. Arthur. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a pretty good combination, really. It's one that I'm very happy to have. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, Ray, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming oh, on and talking to me today. Uh, so, now we're gonna what we're gonna do? We're gonna end with the five questions that I ask oh, every person that I interview. And as I mentioned off there, there is no right or wrong um, answers, but there are wrong answers. <laughs> so, okay. be prepared. <laughs> so um and and you can answer it's it's quick answer but so you will usually end up talking about the answers anyway so it's never really yep. quick all right so here we go first question sondheim or weber sondheim mm. any particular reason without question <laughs> the the man is a lyrical and dramatic genius okay this one's almost always split, surprisingly. Yeah. Then I judge those who choose <laughs> the other. <laughs> oh, yay. I love creating animosity and tension. That's so much fun. <laughs> um, your most favorite show you've ever seen? Most favorite show I have ever seen would have to be Hello, Dolly, Bette Midler, Donna Murphy, and Bernadette Peters. I saw them each three times. Wow. How much of a difference was there between the three performances? Okay, Bette played Bette, Bernadette played Fun, Donna played Dolly. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> wow. Really? Hmm. And I love them all. So they're, they're, they're like, uh, you know, they're like children. You, you love them all. But which one did you love more? <laughs> Come on, we all love we all love our kids, but which one? Everybody has a favorite. I would I would have to say my first my first experience was watching Bette Midler descend that staircase, and that will stay with me forever. Nice, very good. <laughs> okay, question number three: Jukebox musicals, good or bad? Some good. Okay. Can I qualify it? Some oh, for good. sure. Yeah, everybody everybody has their answers. So, yeah. so why some good? My guiltiest pleasure is listening to Cruel Intentions, the musical, um, where you have 
you have the mother of one of the characters absolutely upset that her daughter may or may not be enjoying a relationship with her piano teacher and the mother sings i don't want no scrubs <laughs> as far as i'm concerned sondheim couldn't better that. <laughs> that would be so funny oh yeah <laughs> i think at jukebox musicals you have to take them in the intention for which they are written mm. jukebox musicals are not written to be the successor to Follies or, you know, the successor to um, any, really, of the musicals that you would assume I'd love. Yeah. Um, but every now and then, um, we call it a banger. A, a show will come out uh, that's a jukebox musical that you just can't not love. Yes. <laughs> so that's my answer. Sometimes good. They're, they're that guilty pleasure that, uh, oh, you know, are. When you're on, when you're on a diet and you should be eating healthy and you're eating these no cowards and it's cold porters, sometimes you just want no scrubs. Right? Absolutely, That's... no scrubs is the musical theatre equivalent to a Twinkie bar. <laughs> it totally is, but but they're so good, <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right, so question number four: musicals yep. from movies, good or lazy? Um. Lazy. Okay. Unless they're inventive. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because you got things like Little Shop, right? Yeah. But then you have, well, tons of other stuff. Um, Yeah. So, okay. Tootsie, Uh, brilliant book. Absolutely brilliant book. mm -hmm. Um, they, They moved it to a Broadway show rather than a daytime soap opera, and I fell in love with the book. I was laughing all the way through. Musically, left a little bit to be desired. Okay, but but I guess enough to work with the book that it just yeah, absolutely, absolutely, without question. Nice. Did you see Beetlejuice yet? I did. And least said about that, the better. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm being I... very candid now. It's at the end of the interview. That's why. <laughs> You know what? That's okay. And like, we've all got shows that we dislike and other people love. And, and absolutely, absolutely. And that's why it's great. Cause yeah, there's shows that I despise that other people are so passionate about. And I feel bad. Yeah. I can't, well, I don't really feel bad when I tell them what I think of it, but, um, but that's the great thing about musical theater. Love it or hate it. It is, it is, I'm, whether I love or I hate a show, I'm so happy it got made. And, and but that's that's always been my my thought you don't have to love everything but you have to support its creation mm-hmm. that's the most important thing about the theater industry yes yeah that's great so we won't talk about beetlejuice then we'll just we'll just leave that where it lies merrily we roll along <laughs> <laughs> all right so now the final question the most important question here goes here we go food in the theater yes or no Absolutely not in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. <laughs> that is the correct answer. I, was it putting it together? Please refrain from eating sweets in cellophane. <laughs> oh, for sure. 
I, I went to see Dear Evan Hansen about a month ago and all I heard was yeah. beside yeah. me. And I was like, I want to throttle this person. It's Just, like the confectionery oh. section at Walmart. Yes. <laughs> it was like, crazy. There is a time and a place. And if you can't go, like, and this was like 10 minutes into the show. Like, mm. like come on. If you can't go an hour and a half or whatever, not eating. I had someone bring in a packed lunch. What? <laughs> it, wasn't just, it wasn't just like sweets and candy. It was like a, a salt beef bagel. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what are you going to do? But yeah, what's the correct answer? And every single person I've interviewed has said the exact same answer. So good. I've had nothing but good people in my interviews so far. <laughs> oh man all right well again thank you ray so much for for uh, spending some time with me and and entertaining us and and telling us about overtures for sure because a lot of people might not know about it now it's their chance to go and enjoy with other like-minded people I've loved every every minute of this conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, no problem. And when you're in town in September here in Toronto, uh, let me know when, and we'll have to awesome. uh, hook up. And, we'll and go for a hello. coffee. For sure, for sure. And see if they've actually started an overtures here in Toronto. Maybe somebody. If not, can... I'm in town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Start another one. You know, get her. Actually, there's a space that I know of that actually I've thought about. I went, oh, that'd be perfect for that sort of thing. But uh... put me in touch. We can franchise. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Ray. Uh, have a great rest of the day, um, and thank you for coming out. Thank you so, so much. No problem. And oh, for sure, send me those songs. I'm going to make sure I email those. You have been listening to Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host, Jean-Paul Jovanoff. Please come back next week as we will have uh, another guest or guest tell us about their passion and their love of musical theater and entertain us with their stories and lives. We got lots of great music for the rest of the day. We've got our Saturday night party um, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where we play nothing but fun party songs from the musical theater canon. My name is Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Have a great rest of the day. We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world, and we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button, because a supportive community is a strong community.